Welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. I really appreciate you listening and would like you to know about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to Dakota Spotlight that provides bonus content, early access, and ad-free listening, all while supporting my work and the show you love. You can subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app or visit dakotaspotlight.com. You're listening to Dakota Spotlight. My name is James Walner. This is episode four of season eight, Unresolved, the murder of Joel Loveling. In this episode, we're going to change gears a little bit and learn more about the most important person in this story, Joel Loveling. In later episodes, we will return to the events surrounding his death. We'll look at the Travis Stay trial, we will zoom in on the party bus again and some of its passengers. But for now, let's forget about Joel's sudden death and instead, let's learn more about the man's life. Joel was just 38 years old when he died, but he was more than the victim of an assault. He was a father, a brother, a son, a friend, an ex-husband, a fiancé. In 2007, Joel was employed at Altru Hospital in Grand Forks, where he worked as a technical systems analyst. Joel was divorced at the time. His ex-wife, Heidi, and him had a daughter they adored, Alexa. And Joel was newly engaged. He and his fiancée, Heather, were planning to get married the next year. So, in this episode, for a change, you won't be hearing my voice quite as much, because I never had the opportunity to meet Joel Loveling. Instead, I'd like you to hear from a few people who did know him. And we'll start with his big sister, Erica. I recently had the opportunity to visit with Erica on the phone, and I learned quite a bit about Joel. Among other things, I learned that Joel and Erica were adopted from within the state of North Dakota when they were just a few weeks old. I was adopted through Lutheran Social Services of North Dakota, and I believe my folks probably went through the same agency to get to get Joel. And I was originally born in Jamestown, and Joel was originally his parents, and he was from Mandan. So we are both North Dakota kids. And he kind of came into the picture after me. I'm the big sister. He's the little brother. And, oh, we got Joel, my dad. My dad's nickname for him when he was little was Tiger Meat. Oh, I wanted dad to call me Tiger Meat. But no, I was Punkin Wunkin' Daddy's Little Duncan. Ugh, try to live that one down. You know, we both had kind of brown hair and brown eyes and actually kind of resembled each other when we were younger. So it was just really, we were brother and sister and there was no questions about it. It was just normal. It was, it was our deal. So it wasn't odd to us. Our parents were always very open and spoke openly about it. For years, not only did we have a birthday, but we had a gotcha day, the day that my folks got us. That was neat. And it made it special. We, I mean, I remember going to show and tell day in grade school and going up front and going, I'm adopted. <laughs> that was my show and tell. <laughs> there may have been a little jealousy later, but my folks say that I, I looked forward to having a little brother 
And he had kind of a, a large shaped, roundish shaped head. And so one of his nicknames was Pork Chop. And where he got that one, I do not know. And he loved his playpen. Joel, another of his nicknames was Gilligan. Because when Joel was in his playpen, it was Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Where's Gilligan? Oh, Gilligan's in his island. <laughs> we were encouraged, let's say, to spend a lot of time outside. <laughs> I, a story my mom tells is her coming into the room and I've got M&Ms in my hand and I'm shoving the M&Ms up, up Joel's nose because he wouldn't open his mouth to eat the M&Ms that his loving big sister was trying to give him. <laughs> so I was trying to share, but I was just too little to, to do it right. <laughs> Hello, dear listener. This is James, host of Dakota Spotlight, inviting you to subscribe to Spotlight Plus. For as little as $5 per month, you will get the warm feeling of supporting the show and also unlock access to bonus episodes. Get the episodes early and listen ad-free. That's right, no more ads. Apple users can subscribe to Spotlight Plus Standard right in the Apple Podcasts app. If you want to dive deeper and get even more exclusive benefits, subscribe to Spotlight Plus Premium or Spotlight Plus Ultimate. Go to dakotaspotlight.com for more details. Joel and Erica's first home was on the south end of Grand Forks, pretty close to the Red River. East Elmwood Drive. Nice little home in a nice neighborhood. That was our, our first home. Until we moved out to East Grand Forks, out on the point, and I was, I believe I was six, because I did kindergarten in Grand Forks, and then I started grade school in in East Grand Forks and we rode the bus we ro- we lived out on a little farm out on the point dad was a general manager at Agsco Agricultural Chemical Company there in Grand Forks and uh, mom at the time Judy was a housewife we were raised Calvary Lutheran Church we were we went there both folks uh, taught Sunday school at different times in our life I remember mom bringing in Fisher Price little people and using those to tell the stories of the Bible, Mary, a little Mary and a little Joseph. And yep, Calvary Lutheran Church is where we, and sadly, that's where we, same place where we had Joel's services. I asked Erica what Joel's personality was like as a child. The first words that came to mind were stubborn and strong-willed. There's a Norwegian word, vrung. I, I believe it's something like V-R-U-N-G. In fact, I looked up this Norwegian word. There are two words, vrung and vrang, which, if I have this right, they mean inside out and upside down. And my Grandma Jo, Grandma Josephine, who is my mom Judy's mother, she called Joel vrung because he was a stubborn little boy. I don't want to eat that food. I don't want to take my medicine. I don't want to play that game. And the game would go flying, that kind of stuff. Just kind of an obstinate streak. He struggled a bit with hyperactivity as a a boy. And so there was always 
we were always trying different things to get that under control. And I don't, to this day, I don't know if it was ADHD or what it was, but they were always trying, you know, a vitamin regimen or this regimen or that, you know, diet, different things to, to make things easier for Joel. Because I don't know if part of that was part of the stubbornness too. We, we played pretty well together when we were younger. When we got a little bit older, my grandma Joe refused to let us both come and stay at her house at the same time because we'd fight like cats and dogs. So she would take one of us one week and then to visit, and then the next one, then we'd swap. I'd go home and then Joel would go stay at grandma's for a while. But she didn't want us both at the same time because we'd fought, fight like cats and dogs, they'd always say. But there was never any doubt that I loved my little brother and I know that that he loved me and and even as his adult life whenever he'd send me a birthday card or anything he would sign it tongue-in-cheek now your loving brother Joel and I can just hear that you know and state it in exactly that flat tone you know <laughs> but it was tongue-in-cheek and I knew what he meant by it Joel Loveling graduated from high school in 1988 he was well-liked, he was popular, he was a handsome young man, he, he, was, he was a good guy. As far as I know, he was always popular with the girls. In fact, when he said the Lord's Prayer as a child, he'd say, and the power and the girlies forever and ever, amen. <laughs> girlies instead of glory, we loved that one. <laughs> One common theme I've come across when speaking to people about Joel is his coarse or maybe even raunchy humor. Dry, dry humor, your loving brother, Joel. I mean, that's right there in a nutshell to me. That says it all. But dry humor, I mean, coarse humor. Oh, yeah. Raunchy humor. That was Joel. And he'd deliver it in just a dry line and he'd leave you wondering, if it was a joke or not, he had a real gift. Yeah. <laughs> and was Joel Lovelin a fighter, violent, the kind of man to get into brawls? Not that I ever saw. Mm -mm. He didn't, you know, we fought rough and tumble, but we didn't beat the stuffing out of each other or anything. It was just normal childhood stupid stuff you know but no i never saw it easy gentle giant he was he was a big guy and he wasn't aggressive in that way i mean oh it was later in life he he, he was one of the first guys any of us knew he went to yoga class and he loved it and he was a big guy he could have been athletic he never was really athletic and he went to yoga class in college, Joel met then married Heidi Holsley. Together they had a daughter, Alexa. Eventually met Heidi, her whole family, and they've got she's got some Montana connections. So we really bonded with Heidi and her family right from the get-go when they got married when they were young and met in met at UND. And when we heard that little Alexa was coming in ninety-two, we were ecstatic. We were, he was proud, he was excited, Heidi was excited. They were just a hardworking young couple 
still trying to get through school and a baby on the way. And she, Alexa, the first time I saw her, I went, well, that's a little girl, Joel. She looked just like Joel did when he was young. Yep, little girl Joel. That's what I called Alexa for quite a while. Oh, his nickname for her was Pickle. They were really, really close. Um, Joel became known for belting out SpongeBob SquarePants right in the middle of a lunch or having a beer after work with buddies. Because he and Alexa, that was their thing. SpongeBob SquarePants. That was Joel's sister, Erica. We'll be right back with more friends and memories of Joel after this short break. In 2007, Joel Loveling worked at the IT department at All True Hospital in Grand Forks. He made many friends there. One of them was Dana Kelly. I'm Dana Kelly. Um, I am have been a friend of Joel's for many years. I used to live in Grand Forks, where I became friends with him through working together at All True. Our daughters were about the same age, or I should say are about the same age, um and so the girls would do their thing we do our thing and he didn't live far away from me either so you know the girls could just walk over and hang out dana told me that in fact the first time she met joel at the hospital she didn't have the greatest impression of him it took her some time to get to know him well he kind of came across as um, a cocky IT guy, and he'd he'd always come and help, but I came to learn, you know, he's just a sweetheart and um, really a big teddy bear. He's the guy that would go out and talk somebody out of getting into a fight and make sure they were okay. He's not the guy that would go out and ever start a fight. Dana and Joel often went to UND hockey games together. Dana sometimes referred to Joel as her hockey husband. Their relationship was strictly platonic, but they spent so much time together they were often mistaken for a couple. You guys aren't married? We thought you were married this whole time. And we would often say that, because we were both single, that we should wear t-shirts that said, I'm not with him and I'm not with her. Because people would just assume we were a couple, and we weren't. We were great friends, got along so well together. He would always sing the SpongeBob SquarePants song, and I never watched SpongeBob. I didn't know much about it, but he would just get up, you know, big six-foot-four guy, and be like, who lives in a pineapple? And um, we we always said that, um, what was the the song my my daughter could sing this to you she made up a different song um for him um i'm gonna have to think of it i could he's jolly poly oli he's 
big not square. He's round. He's jolly poly -oly. He's the deadliest man in town because I've kicked him out of my car more than once for his gas. And so he was, that was him. He was goofy. He'd fart and, and watch you suffer. <laughs> and, and he was like a big brother. If they would come over, I actually have a picture of the three of them, my daughter, Alexa, and Joel in my daughter's room, and Joel was singing karaoke with them. He wasn't afraid to be a girl's dad. That is what he was. Dana recalls Joel Loveling was dedicated to his friends. A good friend, simply put. He cared about them. When I moved out to the Iron Range, he and Alexa came out um, within a month or so to visit us and, you know, kind of check, like, how you doing? Because I'm sure he looked at me like a little sister, too. And that's when, about the time, that summer that I moved away is when he and Heather really connected. And, like, they just hit it off. They were such a fun couple. And Heather had, you know, just quit her job and moved up here to be with him. Dana recalled for me the night that Joel died. I was moving in to a new apartment out in Eveleth, Minnesota, and Jessica had a friend sleeping over and I had been putting things away all night. It, it was somewhere between one and two in the morning and I was about ready to go to bed. And I knew that all those guys had gone out here and my phone rings and I'm like, okay, they're on their way home, they're calling. And I was just tired and I, I didn't pick it up. And um, Chris called one more time, I didn't pick it up. And then the third time I was like, something got to be happening here. So I picked it up and she told me that he had been in a fight. He was in the hospital and was taken to the hospital by ambulance, I think is what she said. And I'm like, is he okay? And she's like, no, he's gone. And, and then you, I was like, you're playing a joke on me. You guys are all, you know, and it, it took me a few minutes for her to help me realize that she was not joking. And, uh, I, um, I remember where I was standing. That was Joel's friend and colleague, Dana Kelly. Thank you so much, Dana. Next, I'd like you to meet Joel's niece, Leslie Hopdott. Um, I met Joel a little bit later in life than you would think for a traditional um, uncle-niece relationship. So I am the daughter of his older sister, Erica Loveling. 
Um, and she gave me up for adoption at an early age, and so I wasn't raised by the Loveline family, um, but we always had an open adoption, and my birth mother and um, my adoptive mother were always in contact uh, growing up, and so I met the family in person. Um, I always knew who they were, and I met them when I was 18. And then when I went to college in Grand Forks, um, then I was introduced to Joel and met him there. And so I was in college um, starting in 2004, um, and then I did graduate school at UND. So I was there from uh, 2004 to 2010, and so I met Joel early on and then only, unfortunately, was able to know him for a few years before he died. Yeah, what what struck me about him, which I wrote to you in the email, was that he was so kind, you know, to happy to meet me and was surprised to meet me. They they kind of surprised him with meeting me, actually, is how it happened. And then, which is fun. And then um, he was, you know, hey, like I I'm here if you ever need anything, you know, let me know. Gave me his cell phone number and was just very kind. And um, yeah, my impression of him was it was very positive. He was, um, you know, fairly soft spoken, just, you know, um, kind, friendly, like genuinely wanted to get to know me. Um, it, it was funny when we first met, it was at a family friend's house. Um, and Joel came up to me, um, not knowing who I was yet. And, and he goes, you know, hello, shook my hand. And he says, have I met you before? Do I, do we know each other? And which is funny. Cause I, I assume I, resemble his sister a bit and he was picking up on those characteristics and and you know and then we surprised him like well actually I'm I'm Erica's daughter that you haven't met yet and um and so yeah he was he was very very friendly very you know kind of surprised but um so kind that was Joel's niece Leslie Havda now I'd like you to meet Joel's friend and colleague Jennifer Cole Kitchener I'm Jennifer Cole Fitchner. I live in Thompson, North Dakota. Met Joel the summer of uh, 2000. He was someone who he he tried to make people happy. I think that was probably like his goal, like for the day, make people laugh. Um, you know, I talked to people after he passed, and they had been bowling or golfing with him, and they're like, "Hey, like, you know, I spent one night golfing with him, and that was like my best night of golfing ever." We both worked at Altru. I'm a nurse and he worked in information systems and I'd walk the hallways just to run into him just to see his smile because like he, he had an infectious smile. Should we say like, like your interaction with Joel, like you were his friend from like the second you met him. I mean, he just had that kind of like aura about him. His daughter, Alex, like she was priority. We as his friends always knew it. Um, you'd call him and say, hey, Joel, you going out tonight? And he's like, no, I have Alex tonight, so yeah, have fun, and I'll catch you next time. And it was like the second or third time I'd been out with Joel and Dana, and I asked Dana, I said, are you trying to set me up with him? And she's like, oh, Mr. Burpee, Mr. Farty. She's like, no, no, I would never do that to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's known for his SpongeBob dance. You might have to ask somebody else about that one, but yeah. Yeah, so when, when I hear the Spongebob theme song, I just, I think about him. My dad called me the next night and he said, hey, like, you know, this guy that got beat up and died at the bar, he's like, I think that's your friend. I'm like, no, dad. I'm like, the only person that fits that age description is Joel. And like, he would try to stop a fight. He wouldn't be in the fight. Um, and then I found out Monday at work, um, 
when I walked into the break room and uh, people that I worked with were looking at me and I just thought it was kind of strange and sat down and overheard a conversation and heard that Joel was the one and um, I called Dana right away. Um, she didn't call me right away, but she called me back and confirmed that, yeah, it was him. Joel was, Joel was, he wasn't just a friend to me. He was like the brother I never had is how I describe him. Like I cried for him every day for years until my dad passed away. And then I just kind of transferred the tears to my dad and maybe grieve them both at the same time. So when you go to the hockey games and you hear the suya yeah, like like every time I go to a hockey game, I think of him. We heard from Joel's sister, Erica, at the top of this episode. I want to leave you all with a memory she shared with me. And I'd like to thank Erica, Leslie, Dana, and Jennifer for sharing their memories. Next time, we'll get back to the story about Joel's death, the investigation, and the trial that followed. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And here's that memory from Joel's sister, Erica. After... Joel passed away when we were all in Grand Forks together. Well, Joel died wearing a UND hockey jersey. His fiancée, Heather, worked at the Alaris Center, and we went to a UND hockey game. We, we got into the building, and I'd never been there, and it was wonderful, and we all went and bought UND hats and jackets and gear. And then we went up to this kind of a VIP area because Heather worked there, and there there was some arrangements had been made. So we had this kind of a nice area to ourselves. And because, you know, we had family, we had guests, we had friends that were all invited to join us. And it was more of another social hour than really watching a game of hockey, which on any other day of the week, I had been fixated on. <laughs> well, yeah, the game was beginning. They did the anthem and all of that. And then the announcer said, we have a special group in the house tonight and made this announcement and just everybody knew, but he said, you know, we recently had a tragedy here and one of our strongest or he said, one of our ardent fans had a, had, we've lost one of our fans and they put Joel up on the board and then they, I had no idea. Then they fired up the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song and we all started laughing, and then we started singing along. And next thing you know, the people in the arena were singing along with us. It was just a fantastic moment. It was wonderful. We were all hugging and smiling and crying and singing along. And, oh, yeah. It was just, it was a moment. It was such a moment. Dakota Spotlight is a production of Forum Communications, researched, written, and produced by me, James Walner. I also do the sound editing. Our podcast network manager is Chris Kurzman. Madison Hunter, our social media specialist, and Jeremy Fugelberg, our editorial advisor. Don't miss the awesome Dakota Spotlight Facebook group. To join, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Dakota Spotlight. Finally, some music this season was generously granted again by Wowza in Kalamazoo and Hand Turner. 
Check them out at wowsaincalamazoo.bandcamp.com and handturner.bandcamp.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Dakota Spotlight. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Apple users can even subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.